0: All right. I know some people are still checking kids in. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna take a second. Sheree, there's the microphone. We're gonna take just a second as we are transitioning to the word and Cherie and I are twinning today. We're twinning. Cherie's going to um lead us in a time of prayer for Maui where what's going on. Um, our brothers and sisters are hurting and man, thank you, Jesus, for the power of prayer that every prayer matters. So Sheree's going to, you're going to just lead us in a second here. Of prayer.
1: of Okay. Father, I, uh, gather here with brothers and sisters, and we, uh, as a family lift up our family in Hawaii. Um, In Lahaina today, Uh, there are people whose neighborhoods have been completely leveled. Uh, They're going to be thirsty today as the temperatures soar and uh, not have easy access to even clean, fresh drinking water. All their memorabilia, all their memories burned to the ground to ash. People they know lost um, and not accounted for right now. Families that jumped into the ocean, um, desperately holding on to their kids so that they wouldn't be swept away by the current, are absolutely traumatized. And Lord, I, I ask in this window uh, that the church would rise up as we were singing today about Jaira, you are enough. And uh, that last beautiful song that we sang together, um, that you, you are king and you provide And you are Lord of all. I pray, Father, that in this vacuum, the church just pours in. There's been a reset in that community. And I pray that their faces turn to your glory and to your provision. That this devastation opens the door, releases the flood of your love and your power. And that they realize more than we realize that material goods are nothing that r- what really matters is things eternal that they actually would have an eternal perspective that sets a fire that community and rebuilds that community and brings your kingdom and the gospel to spread like wildfire back over the island to convert uh, to bring uh, the message of salvation to the lost and then onward uh, to the mainland, to the lost here. Lord, I pray that there be a testimony for your glory in this devastation. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you keep reminding every one of us to maintain prayer and vigilance and to hold the ropes, uh, to pray for these people that they not lose heart uh, and that they continue to trust and they continue to wait uh, for your faithfulness. And I pray that we open up our provision as those who who can and feel called to do so, Lord, to help uh, provide and support materially uh, for those who have lost everything. Thank you, Father, that indeed you are enough. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Shree. All right. I love that God can... Just quicken our hearts all the way you know, here, so far away from it, to do our part in prayer. So thanks for joining us with that. So a lot of you guys know that Kevin and I are just coming back from sabbatical. We had the gift of being on sabbatical May, June, and July, and we're just coming back and It is so, so, so good to be back. I, I promise this is my last Sunday that I'm going to say I'm so glad to be back. But I get back in this place. I'm like, Oh, I love being back with you guys. But what I wanted to do today was just kind of open up my scrapbook and my journal and just share a little bit about what God did with me while we were away on sabbatical. And, um, and I know there'll be something for you in that too, but. I, um, I just want to give you a few snapshots. Okay. Here are a few snapshots. We started out. People are like, what did you do? Three months. What did you do? Well, we started out with some travel and we hit the East Coast and we started in Boston where we ran into the Ben Franklin. It was an amazing moment. Um, there he was like, just, yeah. Best friends. Best friends with Ben Franklin. And then and we did the the Freedom Trail, the historic sites and pasta in the north end of Boston. And we went from there to Bristol, which is a little bit north in Maine. And we had time in the woods and reading by the water. And we were repeat customers at a lobster shack that we found. We just couldn't get enough. And then, wait, you're going a little fast. If you... the. The back one was we actually went from Bristol to Bar Harbor where we spent some time in Acadia National Park hiking and just taking in beauty. And I think we had a record hike, Kev. We had a record hike together. We went around this, it's called the Jordan Pond. It was so, so stunning. It was beautiful. From there then, we went to Milwaukee where we helped celebrate our middle son who graduated from Marquette University, spent a little time in, um, in Wisconsin. From there then we went to Florida where we celebrated what it was the summer of 50. I turned 50 this summer. It was This was part of the celebration in Florida. Thank you for the cake last week and the cards. Um, we went to Indiana and spent some time with Kevin's family in Indiana and had some time with just our little five. And then the top it all off, Kevin and I got to go to Israel for 10 days in Israel. And we start up north and we did Armageddon and Dan and Nazareth and Mount Carmel. And we went from there to the Sea of Galilee where um, th- this was uh, the Sea of Galilee. Where we got to worship on the Sea of Galilee, like out on a boat on the Sea of Galilee. And we saw that was ruins of Capernaum where Jesus spent tons of time in the synagogue teaching healing, calling his disciples, Peter's house, just absolutely amazing. And then to Jerusalem where we got to spend uh, some time in Jerusalem and the city of david oops that was the family that wasn't jerusalem that was our family moment i'm sorry i this is my bad you're doing great i yes it was me it's me um so this is jerusalem where we got to see the garden tomb and and um do all of the the spots the garden of gethsemane and and taken all of the history there and the encounters there. We're going to be, I'm sure, just sprinkling in bits of our travels and what we learned in Israel over our preaching for the next like 10 years, right? But it was a trip of a lifetime. And then when I got home, this happened. Nope. Sorry. The mountain one. This happened. And my friend sent me this picture about this time. And And if you could leave that up here for just a minute, but what happened was, is I got really still is how I describe it. That I I got really still and I got really quiet and I sat. And as I got really still, how I describe it is that the waters of my soul, you know, just settled. And without the churning of Ministry and expectations and activity and kind of striving, everything in my life, especially my soul got just real quiet and really still. And when it got really still, I could see. I could see this reflection in my life that had always been there. Some things that had always been a part of me as constant companion, but I couldn't see them because of the stirring up and the activity and the movement of all of ministry in life. And I wanted to share from my stillness journal just one little snapshot of of what God did with me what I was able to see that reflection in my soul and um and I, and I just wanted to share one little bit as I got quiet and got still what happened was is I I started having this kind of this uneasy sense in my heart in my mind and it was kind of this discomfort and all of a sudden as I was sitting and being still and I could see and hear and and. in let truth kind of come forward, I, I sense this fear kind of crystallizing, this unease, and this fear kind of said this to me, Molly, you are not doing sabbatical right. Like you're halfway in, the travel's done, and now you're sitting and you are not doing it right I started thinking, like, I am blowing it. Like, I pictured, I knew all these other pastors that had been on sabbatical and they were doing the same things. They were traveling and reading and resting and doing those things, but they were doing it right. And I was absolutely wasting the sabbatical. That was this fear that came forward. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, I owe it to the church. I owe it to God. I owe it to the people who are stepping in and preaching and taking over for us. I owe them something. I have this obligation in this sabbatical to like be able to show out, like here's what happened, right? Like I did it right. And here's what came forth from it, right? This oh, moment, and I didn't have it. And as I sat and kind of was starting to think about, well, where did that come from, this obligation? Where did that come from? And I was trying to get to the thing behind the thing. You know what I mean? I had again, this, this message that just popped up in my heart as I was sitting in stillness and it was this, be a good steward, Molly, be a good steward. Like you do, you owe, you have a debt to pay off. You owe something from this and you have to be a good steward and you're not being a good steward. You don't have enough to show up to, to point to from this experience. This idea of be a good steward, you know where I got that from, right? It's one teaching, one bit of scripture in Matthew 25, where Jesus is sharing a parable. And I want to just stop and pause and bring you up to speed with the story just so we're all on the same page. And this is in Matthew 25. I'm going to read it off the screen if we can move on to that, that bit of scripture here. Okay, here's what it says. This is Jesus telling a story. And he says this again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusting his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold to another two bags and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. Also. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the one who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came master. He said, you entrust me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done. Good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one bag of gold came master. He said, I knew that you were a hard man harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went and hit your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have, where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. All right, this scripture this scripture, I was the one in this story who was always coming back with what I had been given with embarrassment before God, right? Going, ah, like, I know this isn't enough. I was always the one who would come back and go, man, I just, I hope God doesn't ask for an account yet. I just need more time. If I just have more time when this happens down the road in this season, then I'll maybe have something to show for what I've done with what God has given. And this wasn't just about sabbatical, right? I could realize this was actually this driving kind of message across all my life, across every season that I experienced, just, you know, sabbatical or not, parenting, my spiritual life, whatever it may be, my stewardship just wasn't good enough. And I wonder if you have ever experienced this. Have you ever feel like maybe you are reliving the, um, Netflix episode of nailed it, right? Where you just wonder, like, I I should be, I should be farther along. Like, do you guys know this show? This is a show where they take amateur bakers and they, they just say, Hey, just make the emoji cake. It's going to look like this. Somebody made this, make it. And they go off in their kitchens and they bring back the best they can. And that's what it looks like, right? Like And you, you look at this snail cake and you think it's frosting and chocolate. I should be able to do that. Right? I should. And when we, when we have our final product, we're like, oh, you know, like, oh, this is all I could do with it. Do we feel that way about, you know, maybe again, our job, our profession, like I should be farther along by now, I should be way up the ladder by now, or maybe. our our parenting, right? At first we think, like, we see the Christmas card of everyone in their matching PJs, and we're like, this is, yes, I can do this parenting. And then in reality, we're like, I'm ruining them. (laughs) Like, I am messing this all up, right? Or maybe again, like our spiritual life, or we think, man, do I even love God? Like, I had one of those moments on my sabbatical. Do I even care about you? I, you know, like, My scripture time, I completely just checked out or my, my prayer time was just literally meal planning, half of my prayer time, meal planning, grocery list running through my head, right? God, you deserve more. You deserve more. And I wish that I could hold my head up proud and present the emoji cake as it was supposed to look and feel like let's look at God here you, I'm giving you something to celebrate. Right? Just like in that story, we want to hear the well done. We want to be able to just come into his presence with whatever we have in front of us and know it's and hear that like good enough, like you did it, you did well, I'm giving you more, you did so well with what you had, right? We want that celebration of God. So how do we experience the confetti pop of the two guys in the story? How do we get to experience that of God, of his kingdom? How do we experience more of that and less shame and hiding and regret and discomfort in our souls? Well, I just want to give us a few little pointers today, few little pointers on how we can experience more. And if we look at this story, again, we see one out of the two, right? Just one who experienced that fear and loss. And this is what it says about him. It says this, the man who received the one bag came master. He said, I knew that you were a hard man harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seeds. So I was afraid and I went out and hid what you gave in the ground, right? I was afraid. I was afraid because you are hard. And essentially what he's saying to God, he's completely missing the nature of God. And he's saying, God, you are too hard. You're too hard. It is impossible to please you. In fact, God, you steal and you take. He accuses him of taking what he doesn't provide. And he says, God, God, you are like the squirrel in my garden. And now, how many of you guys are like, you just love, love, love the summer tomatoes? The summer tomatoes. Like, there is nothing like a good summer tomato, right? And because I love them so much, when the spring comes around, I have this little patch of of garden and I, I get my favorite gardening tool. His name is Kevin. And I... Put some tools in his hand, and we—he like turns up all my dirt, and he fertilizes, and we get it all beautiful and ready. And then I just sweep in with a little tomato plant, make my little hole in the ground, and put that thing in. But then. I watch this thing and I watch it start to kind of grow and I take it and I tie the little leaves up to a a plant stand and it starts getting bigger and I water and walk this June, right? Didn't we water and water and water that thing and pull the weeds around it and it starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger in late June. And then July comes and you start seeing these little green little buddy tomatoes on this thing, and they're starting to come. And then as the summer goes on, they are getting bigger and bigger. And then they start to turn colors, right? They start to go like yellow and orange and they get little red. And that's when I start like watching that thing every day, coming back out. Oh, it's getting close. It's getting close. And then it's almost all red almost all red, and then I get my tortilla chips ready for salsa, I get my bread ready for bruschetta, and then I go out to pick the thing, does this happen to you guys? And it is half eaten, half eaten, like between sunset and prepping my meals, there it is, like half eaten, or on the ground, they like to nibble them off and drop them on the ground, half eaten, right? You know, like this is what he's saying to God, you didn't plant that thing. You didn't take care of it. You didn't provide it, but you just take, right? That's what he's saying to God. He's accusing God. This is what your nature is like. You just take, you expect something from nothing and it's too hard, right? That's what he thought about God. And you know what happened? He totally missed the nature of God, totally missed the nature of God. And that was the one who was left in fear and loss in hiding and shame, Right. But the whole the truth about this thing, the whole point of this thing is that this story started by God giving. Go back and look at how this whole thing started. Everything was set in motion because God did what? If you go back and look at the scripture, I think I highlighted these key words. God entrusted his wealth to one he gave five, one he gave two, one he gave, right? This is the whole point the whole story starts with God is giver, generous, willing, kind, provider, supplier. That's his nature. And this is what God took me back to in that fear moment, right? In my journal stillness moment, he took me back to this truth. And he, he was like, listen, we're going to get this fear and guilt thing right for a second, Molly. And when I have this sense of like, God, I'm just wasting this opportunity. Here I am just wasting this opportunity. God asks of me. He just says this, Molly, listen. He says, what else do you steward? What else have you been given? Besides just a job to do, besides just a spiritual gift, right? And don't we always kind of go there when we think about stewardship, right? Every every sermon on money and time, it's this, right? When we think about stewardship, we think these top three things, my money, my time, my spiritual gifts, what I do for God. Right. But God, just in this moment with me, Molly, what else do you steward? What else have you been given? And so I sat with my journal and I just started just writing out, oh, friendship with you. God friendship with you, this present moment right here in your presence. I'm sitting on my back deck and I see the blue sky and I love blue sky and sunshine. I'm like, you've this yeah, you've given me the beauty of this day and the warmth of the sunshine. You've given me joy. I started thinking about my travels and things I got to experience and the joy of just living. You've given me peace. You've given me this quiet place to rest and just to be. And I started writing out and writing out and writing out. And all of a sudden before my eyes, my net worth was just expanding, right? All of a sudden I was like, oh, I'm richer than I thought. Like this is good, good news that this is what God is asking. Like, listen, Molly, just the business of life, the business of life is way more expansive than your position. And how you steward just like, you know, your spiritual gifts. It's way much. It's so much more than that. That's just too narrow of a scope church. We've been given so much more. And I just wonder if you can just, as you're sitting right where you're sitting, start to think for a second, what else have you been given? What else have you been giving? Because I tell you, the the list is limitless. If we start thinking about mercy or the righteousness of Jesus, if we start thinking about my goodness, just the present. You know, concept of Jesus, I'm with you always to the end of the age, his present risenness with us, kindness, the power of the Holy Spirit, like Carly was talking about in a thrift store, right? Forgiveness. The list just goes on and on. If you start becoming aware, you start letting some of those things that what else do I steward hit your heart? Because here is how God designed life to be the celebration. Come share in my joy. Come on, come share in my joy. Share in the celebration of this life to be full, to be rewarding and easy and hopeful. It's this, we just receive what God is giving, who is always giving always supplying, and we go do all the business of our life with it, right? That is how we live in this celebration. Thomas Merton said this, every moment of every event of every man's life on earth plants something in his soul. For just as the wind carries thousands of winged seeds, so each moment Brings with it germs of spiritual vitality that come to rest imperceptibly in the minds and hearts of men. Most of these unnumbered seeds perish and are lost because men are not prepared to receive them. Every moment of every event is an opportunity to steward something in the expansive, not limited sense of that word, right? In the wind that blows across this earth, that blows across your days, your life are thousands and thousands. This is a great image of just winged seeds that are ready. They're ready to produce something. They just need a spot to land, don't they? They just need a spot to land. So don't let them fall to the ground. Let us be the people who are saying, you will not be lost on me, that I will receive these unnumbered blessings of God as a supplier, as a generous, good, good provider. Our neighbors next to us, they have um, a tree that's planted in between our property and th- there is an, it is a villainous tree. It is a naughty tree. And this tree, every spring, it, uh, it, it just, you know, the blooms start coming, the branches, whatever, those things. Okay, I'm obviously not into, I'm not a, is it a botanist? <laughs> Arbor. Anyways, here's what happens. The tree has this pollen. And this pollen, we d- we watch every spring, it just gets the things, I already said that, they get bigger. I don't even know what they are. But anyways here's what really happens. (laughs) The pollen drops from the tree and it covers our cars. They become yellow overnight. Every square inch of any car that is in the driveway is covered by a layer of pollen. And this is the picture for us. Our lives are covered by the blessings of God every square inch just covered head to toe in this pollen that it's not, you can't see it. You can't see it in the trees. I can't see it on the wind, but I can see it when it lands and it covers our cars. And guys, that is the picture for us in season and out of season year round. We are covered by the blessing of God. Here's how Paul describes stewardship. Check this out. In a sermon he's preaching in Athens, in Acts, he says this, look for the stewardship in this. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him, in him we live and move and have our being. This is stewardship. We take what he has given, breath and life and everything else. Let's discover the everything else. And we take it in. We receive it. None of it falls to the ground. And we, in him we live and move and have our being. Brennan Manning in Abba's Child says this, Christianity consists primarily not in what we do for God, but what in what God does for us, the great wondrous things that God dreamed up and achieved for us in Christ Jesus. All he asks is that we be stunned and surprised. Let our mouths hang open and begin to breathe deeply. Our part is stewards stunned and surprised over and over and over by the great and wondrous things that he did stunned and surprised to live in awe, to let our mouths hang open and breathe it in deeply. Take all that God has given, take it in, take it in and then go do the business of your life with it for whatever business and all the businesses you're in, in your friendship business, right? And your parenting business in your school business if you're a teacher or a student in your for-profit business and your not for-profit business in all the business of your life it doesn't matter what kind so where do we start okay we got this big picture where do we start can we just drill this thing into our lives because we want we want to do this we want to take in the supply we want to be stunned and surprised we want to take in the provision and in him we live and move and have our being we want that we want the return uh, on investment. We want the well done of God. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do this week to get really practical. I want you to turn your ow into wow. I want you to turn your ow into wow. Here's what I mean, okay? Because, again, we've got all this business in our lives, and we're going to try to get the provision of God in whenever and wherever you feel a little pinch, or a little discomfort, or uh, some difficulty. And it can be from mild to extreme, it doesn't matter. We will all experience some sort of ow in our week this week. It's what it means to be human, won't we? What I want you to do in that place, I want you to stop, and I want you to be stunned and surprised, like Brennan Manning says. I want you to take something that God has provided, something great and wondrous that he has achieved for you in Jesus, something you see in the scripture, and I want you to bring it into that "ow" moment. Okay, so here's an example. Maybe you find a challenge at work. Maybe there's something with a coworker that just rubs you the wrong way. Maybe it's something with your boss. Maybe it's just like, you know, it's, you feel overwhelmed by a project, whatever it may be. There's a, ow, that pinch, right? I want you to just pause for a minute and go, God, what have you given for this moment? What have you provided? Because I know there are thousands and thousands of wing seeds around, me. what have you provided from heaven to resource me in this moment? Is it wisdom? supernatural wisdom. Is it patience for the person? Is it forgiveness? Is it mercy? Is it joy? You know, like some of us, our jobs are mundane, right? And it's just a grind. God, what have you provided in this moment? Maybe you're struggling with a physical setback. And that's like, oh, there's like a physical thing that you just can't seem to get over. You know what? God said, my grace is sufficient for you in your weakness. God, you said that. I need grace to be sufficient. I'm going to take that in. Wow of God right here in this owl, right? I love how Kevin, this week we were in Aldi and, um, shopping and there was a woman there and I just am, I'm in business mode. I'm hitting the aisles, but Kevin stops and he sees this woman and she has something going on with her body. She doesn't have, um, hair. And, and there was an owl moment and Kevin just said, how are you? What's going on with you? And she has brain cancer. Kevin just said, can I pray for you right now? You know, Lisa Brown did it on the way to church, didn't you, Lisa? Right? It's this, ow, of someone that, okay, can we just stop for a minute? God, what have you provided for this person? You know what you've given me? You've given me spiritual authority. You've given me your spirit. You've given me faith. And I'm going to just go ahead and take that as resource and do business with it right here in Aldi, right at the gas station, right? Turn your ow into wow. Wow. Because stewardship is simply taking what God has given and given and given and doing our business with it. So much more. I want to close with this story. You guys um, know I've told you uh, many times I refer back to my running days as illustrations, but my sister and I ran cross country and track in college. And um, a lot of times the grad students, the phys, the phys students, the grad students would ask if our, us uh, athletes could be guinea pigs they would do their research on us and um so one of these times a grad student wanted to do some vo2 max tests and that essentially is a cardiorespiratory fitness level test it measures your oxygen input and your co2 output and it i don't know it gives you a number and it tells you how efficient you are um and so we stepped up for these tests and my sister mary went in for one of these vo2 tests and what they do is they put you on a treadmill And they hook you up, heart rate monitor. They put this mask over your nose and your mouth and it has valves and it's oxygen in, like it's measuring your oxygen in and your CO2 out. And what happens is they increase the speed on the treadmill and the incline. And you're getting, it's harder and harder and harder until you essentially, until you tap out, you know, until you finally like, I will die or push the tap, tap out button, right? Like, so you just push yourself to like your absolute, max capacity so mary is is gets there to do the test the grad student has everything set up and record ready to record everything um puts the mask on mary and mary starts doing the test starts running on the treadmill and about a minute into it she pulls the mask off and mary's like i can't breathe i can't breathe and the grad student turns and says i know i know it just takes a minute to get used to like it feels weird right It it takes a minute so puts the mask back on, hooks it all up again. And Mary starts running and she's like, okay, she's telling herself, like, I just have to get used to this. And she's pushing herself and pushing herself and pushing herself. And she only got through a couple minutes of the test because she thought, she's like, I think I'm going to die. And she, she couldn't breathe. She was like, you know, her body was screaming, her head was pounding. And so she takes everything off and, and walks home and she's like, man, something's not right. Her head was absolutely just pounding. She felt terrible. Her body was off. She went home and all night she had this terrible, terrible headache and, um, and eventually, you know, recovering was okay. But a week later, the grad student called and said, can you come back in and retest? Because turns out I had your valves mixed up and you weren't getting any oxygen, you were breathing in your CO2, the pushing yourself, and, you know? And I was like, I was like, you could have killed my sister. You know, like I'm going to this like deep, dark place. I'm like, no, you're not testing again. You know, it's like a simple mistake. You just weren't getting any oxygen and you were trying to run your hardest without oxygen. Well, here's how I think we do life very, very often. God is saying, I want to get you to get the valves right. I want you to get the tubes right. You need the input. You are resourced from heaven for this run on this earth. And it is, it's hard and you're on a treadmill and you want that, okay, you, hey, I want to go all the way with this thing. What we're breathing in, all we have is a little bit of our CO2, right? God's saying, let's get the input right. You're supplied with heaven for this run. You're supplied with heaven, everything you need for the business of your life. Whatever season that you are in, you're supplied with life-giving oxygen. Let's get the inputs right. Let's do it this week. Let's turn our ow into wow. So we have the space where our net worth is expanding because we want to run well, we want to hear the well done of God. We want to share in the joy that he has over us, the delight, the approval, the love that he has, has for us, right? Until eternity, until eternity, where every ow is only wow, right? And we'll be in that celebration forever. So why don't we stand up and I'm gonna pray for you guys. And I think Kevin's gonna come up and do some ministry with me. I wonder how many of you feel like me where you're just, you're still trying to just crack the stewardship code, right? Like I just got to crack the code on this thing. I just got to figure this thing out. Well, I feel like this morning, just the life giving oxygen of God, the expansiveness of his heart and his generosity is just, is right. He just wants to hook us up to that tube today. So why don't we just, sometimes we just put our hands out as like, a position to receive, which is such a good position to be in all the days of our life. And so, Holy Spirit, I just welcome spirit of truth in this place. Spirit of truth that redirects, realigns us with the truth of who God really is to us and for us. And so we just welcome your presence. Thank you that the truth is is that you've hooked us up to life-giving supply. Life-giving supply. Boundless, endless, limitless supply. For all the business of this life. That you are provider and supplier. Yeah, thank you that... We receive, we just get to receive eyes of faith to see what blows across the wind of our life, the unnumbered seeds of provision. And so God, some of us where we've just been kind of stuck in that rut, that underlying fear of like, I just don't know if What I'm doing is enough, what I've done here is enough, or there is enough, or this is working out, or this is going to be okay for you, God. Would you just come with the truth of your provision in that place right now for us? What you did with me, just that expansive moment on my deck where life came again, life came again in that place of fear and discomfort.
2: As we were praying, um, I just kinda got a sense from the Lord that um that there might be some of us that have an owl in our our lives, some place of hurt, some place of um real disappointment, real dismay. Um and you've kind of kept that to yourself. And um while it's true. That God can deliver his peace, his joy, um, his strength to us directly through prayer um, or, you know, checking out a sermon or worshiping. So, so, so often um, he really wants to bring healing to us by having us share that hurt with someone else. And that, that person across from you becomes the conduit of the love of God the healing of God, the wisdom of God, the care of God. And so um, I just felt prompted to just invite you to take a moment and just to kind of do some self-discovery. Is there a place in your heart? Is there something going on in your life that you have kept inside that would be um, powerfully touched if you were to share it with someone trustworthy? Because God wants to bring healing in that area. And so, Lord, um, I just pray for every person here because every single one of us has a place of hurt, every one of us, and you know it and you care about it and you are our healer, you are our protector, you are our provider, you have everything that we need. And so I pray, Lord Jesus, for um, just your touch, Lord. But I pray, too, that you would prompt us to turn to someone that we know and to just say, would you pray for me? Would you just hear what I'm going through? Would you just sit with me as I, as I walk through this, this challenge in my life? And when we do that, we experience your healing, Lord. I, um, I specifically feel like there might be a, a person or two here that just disappointment has been a theme for you. You've been disappointed. And so, Lord, I pray for any of us in here that have felt that way, that we've been surprised about what seems like a lack of a breakthrough. We've been surprised that you haven't moved more quickly or more powerfully. And I pray, Lord Jesus, for your grace to rest, your mercy to rest, your love to just gather us up. Mm. And lastly, church, um, just as Molly was sharing the story of the VO2 Um, I just get a sense, you guys, that there will be some in here that will breathe life into someone around you. We are not in this for ourselves. We don't follow Jesus just so that we can be super happy, healthy people for ourselves. You guys were created to be Jesus for other people. And so, Father, I pray for Mm -hmm. just a grace and a vision for the people in this room, the people at home, that you would prompt us and equip us to breathe life, your life, into someone around us. Mm-hmm. You'll see them at work. You might see them in the grocery store like I did, but there, that person is there. it's mm-hmm. so, Lord, put us on mission to breathe life into a world that is suffocating. Mm-hmm.
0: Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to have a ministry team up here that will pray for anybody. If there's something going on that you want some prayer for, um, if you need healing, encouragement, if you need someone to stand with you and pray for, you know, someone in your life that needs some oxygen, life-giving action, we'll have people up here to pray. We want to encourage you. God moves when we pray together. So yeah. Yeah.
2: All right. Before I let you guys go, I'm excited about our next two weeks. I'm going to spend the next two weeks um, teaching the parable of the prodigal son. And I, um, I'm very excited because the Lord has kind of given me some revelation about it. So I would encourage you to be here for the next two weeks and to invite someone who, um, you feel could really use um, a life-giving message that you feel like maybe they've misunderstood God or misunderstood the church and God's goodness and love, uh, invite them to come the next two weeks. Uh, I'm hopeful that God's going to move through our times together. All right, bless you, know, you guys. also,
0: if anybody, we, we want to bless just the Ickes family um, in a, a season of transition. If you guys would come up and if some people yeah. would pray for them and bless them. And yeah, anybody that's been,
2: been encouraged by them or touched by them, just come, you know, pray over yeah. those guys.
0: All right, Amen.